time for taking care of business on Midlands 183. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands 103. Hello and a very good evening to you all. It's Tuesday the 19th of September. I'm Ronan Berry and you're very welcome to Taking Care of Business here on Midlands 103. Yes, and I will declare I'm coming to you live from a very warm, very dry, absolutely entirely muck-free studio here. Unlike all my colleagues throughout the day, I have to say hats off to Peter Dunn, Carl, Carl James, Roy Jennings and Will Faulkner and to the entire team down there in Ratniska today. Conditions were tough, I believe, underfoot. Even Mr. Faulkner forgot his Wellingtons this morning. But uh, undoubtedly, you've probably seen lots of the social media content coming from there. That said, spirits were definitely up and the crowds, they did travel there today as well. And big crowds are expected tomorrow and over the course of Thursday too. Uh, throughout the show, we'll be getting some updates from the Ploughing Championships down in Ratniska as well. But uh, what have I got coming for you between now and 8, eight o'clock? Well, I have a real treat, actually. Kevin Green is the Chief People Officer for First Bus in the UK. He has responsibility for well over 30,000 employees and he's about to be a, give a keynote speech at the FRS Recruitment Future of Talent Conference in Croke Park later this week. Kevin will talk about why people are now the key to business success and what actually motivates people at work. And believe you me, the answers may just surprise you on that. The National Ploughing Championships this year is being powered by HVO. Now, in last week's show, Martin Kerwin from Kerwin Haulage mentioned how they've begun trialling HVO in their trucks. That's hydro-treated, hydro-treated vegetable oil. Well, one of the main providers of that is CERTA, and CERTA are indeed powering the National Ploughing Championships this year as well. So, their commercial director, Orla Stevens, will be along to talk about what actually that entails from the point of view of the Ploughing Championships, and some of the statistics behind it are staggering. So, looking forward to hearing more on that a little bit later too. And then later on the show, I'll be joined by Barry Kennedy, the general manager of County Arms Hotel in Burr. Barry was at the Irish Tourism Industry Confederation Tourism Conference held in Athlone yesterday. And as part of that, the ITIC are aiming to grow that sector, that industry, by 50% between now and the end of this decade. So that's only seven, six and a half, seven years away. Very ambitious plans. But again, it's a sector that was badly, badly hit by the pandemic. So we get Barry's uh, views on what was discussed yesterday at the conference and, um, you know, what the outlook might look like for Midlands tourism and hospitality businesses. If you want to join this evening's conversation, as always, the best way to get me is by text or WhatsApp on the Lamb Brothers Toyota uh, text and WhatsApp line 083 3010 you'll get me here in studio and um, delighted to you know, hear what you have to say were you at the ploughing today what were the key points what were the key takeaways for you there um, to go to and get some perspective on what it was really like on the ground there today I'm delighted to be joined by the interim CEO of Leash Chamber Alliance Caroline Hoffman Caroline I think has just made it home after what was undoubtedly a long day one of three a very good evening Caroline have you thought out yet? Good evening, Ronan. Well, look, I, I firstly, I must commend Angarda Shiakana, all the staff, the volunteers who made getting off the site so easy, getting on the site this morning so straightforward. Um, it was a very quick journey home um, and the response I'm getting from people who attended was they got home safely, they got home quickly, traffic was moving, so they really must be commended for, for a very good traffic plan there to get everyone off site um, as safely and quickly as possible. Yeah, and there's loads of videos of you know plenty of muck, plenty of rain, but I think we all knew that was coming too, but it didn't seem to have too much huge effect on numbers. There seemed to be lots of people at it from what we could see. Well, they're hoping for another almost 300,000 people across the three days. Um, and I've no doubt we'll see increased numbers tomorrow and Thursday. And, 
you know, the playing championships, it's really an opportunity for Leash to shine, even when it's raining. Only a few weeks ago, we had another major event, um, Electric Picnic, just down the road. So it's great to have another major event um, here on our doorstep. And it's Europe's largest outdoor event. Um, they have 1,700 exhibitors. And for the first time ever, they had a waiting list for their exhibitor list, which shows the demand. It's not just about farming and agriculture. It's so much more. It's tourism, it's food, it's fashion. It's a day out for all the family. Um, there was also record international interest. So it's a fantastic event um, and really well done to Anna Mae McHugh, Anna Marie McHugh and all their team for the Trojan work. And I really hope to see the National Ploughing Championships returning to Leash again next year. Yeah, it's such a significant event for the Midlands and I think sometimes we, we almost overlook the significance of it, but the amount of people it brings and the, the economic benefits and, the, and that it drives as well. But I suppose you have your chamber hat on you tonight, so you use this as an opportunity to really showcase the best of Leash businesses. Give us a flavour of, of what's been on display down there today and what will be on display tomorrow and Thursday too. So Leash Chamber Alliance were located in the Leash County Council Marquee, uh, which is right beside the NPA headquarters and the IFA Marquee. Um, so you can't miss us. Do come in, have a look around. Um, we have everything from food producers, local businesses, tourism and hospitality, crafts and so much more. Um, Leash Taste, for example, have some fantastic samples. Come in, meet the producers um, and I'm sure you won't go home empty-handed. So there are 33 Leash exhibitors um, located in the Leash County Council Marquee and this is an increase from last year. So there was such demand that the County Council decided um, to get a bigger marquee for us, which is fantastic. And it's a great opportunity for Leash businesses to exhibit to a large audience. Businesses and exhibitors that might not necessarily have had the opportunity to exhibit uh, at the Ploughing Championship. So a really well done to Leash County Council for their support and being instrumental in giving businesses the opportunity to showcase their products and services here um, using this important platform. And in particular, a big thank you to Elaine Moore in Leash County Council, who's been working tirelessly behind the scenes to make this happen. Um, and we also have the local enterprise office village as well, um, located just a stone's throw away with over 30 small businesses here representing each local enterprise office across the country. So we have Bowfield Farm representing Leash here. Um, they're a vertical hydroponic farm and they grow microgreens, edible flowers. Up until last summer, they were breeding organic Hereford cattle. Um, so over the past 12 months, they've grown their business. They have three people currently working here and they're looking to hire two new staff by the end of the year. So definitely uh, a company to watch. And any feedback from all those businesses that have exhibited too, like in terms maybe of the, the potential reach of, of the people that they met today, like I suppose because you do get that chance to see not just people from your own area, but from all across the country and indeed internationally too. What, what kind of feedback have companies been giving you so far? The footfall has been very strong despite the, the conditions, but it is planned to championships, you know, bring your wet gear and your, your wellies. Um, in terms of an international audience, yes, we've had visitors um, from Franklin, Tennessee, who are on site today. So definitely international opportunities there. There's the Enterprise Ireland Innovation Tent, which again um, had an event last night and that has an international presence as well. And then more locally, well, we have, you know, people travelling from the county, from the Midlands region. I have people coming from Cork, from Donegal, having a chat with me about, say, sustainability grants and wondering what's available to them. Um, so really positive foot, footfall um, and certainly great opportunities for the businesses located and exhibiting on site. And if social media tells us correctly, and I know it can often be wrong, but there was one uh, particular visitor to the tent today, I think, that drew quite a bit of attention from everybody. Correct. Uh, President Michael D. Higgins 
um, visited with his wife Sabina so he popped in for a quick visit um, and he took some time to meet with Leash Taste Helen G um, showed some of the amazing produce we, we have in Leash and he also met some of the other exhibitors in the tent as well and, and took some time out um, to meet with them and have a chat about what they do which is a fantastic opportunity you know where else would you get a platform like that to speak to so many ministers um, so many people in government it's so important um, and it's a really important platform so I'd really hope to see it returning to Leash again next year Yeah it would be I think everybody would be would be hoping similar as well any plans yourself over the next two days any particular stands or demonstrations that you want to make your way towards and maybe see new things there that you might even bring back to Leash Chamber members well, it's a big site uh, with 1,700 exhibitors, um, but certainly the Enterprise Ireland Innovation Tent, I'm very interested in looking at that. Um, also interested in meeting our other members on site um, who are located outside the, the Leash County Council marquee, and all of those details are on our social media channels and website. Um, so it's just a great opportunity to, to network, to meet with people um, that you might not have seen for a number of months or even a year since last year's event. And it's just a great social outlet as well. It's great to see, you know, farmers coming in and learning about different things and um, developing their farming methods as well. So there's really so much. And it's great to see families and young kids coming in as well um, and enjoying themselves. Yeah, and I think too, like, you know, we all know the farming sector in particular takes a lot of, has been taking a lot of heat lately in terms of carbon emissions and reducing the overall carbon emissions. And I think for a lot of people, even just to see some of the technology and some of the businesses and some of the initiatives behind all that is a, is of massive importance as well. It kind of maybe tries to you know, maybe soften that narrative and, and maybe sort of showcase what's actually happening on the ground and the effort that a lot of farmers are actually making in that. And I suppose that's something you probably see in your role as director of the Cube as well, that there's a lot being done and this presents a chance to, to really showcase that. A huge interest in it, Ronan. Um, even we have SEAI pop-up clinics taking place next week um, Thursday and Friday or Tuesday slots are actually booked up and these clinics will give farmers, homeowners, community groups businesses the opportunity to sit down with an SEAI mentor so an expert in this area and guide you in terms of the supports and the grants available to retrofit your home business premises, your farm Um, so definitely get in touch with me um, and I'd be delighted to to arrange that one-to-one consultation and it's well worth doing to see what is out there. Caroline Hoffman, thank you so much. I let you back. Get those Wellingtons dried out and get ready for action again tomorrow. But and uh, enjoy the next two days down in Ratnisca. Thank you, Ronan. Caroline, of course, is the interim CEO of Leash Chamber Alliance and a director of the Cube Low Carbon Centre in Port Leash as well. Now, speaking of the ploughing site, how do you power it? How do you power all those tents on all those villages, all those lights, all those catering outlets, all the ovens in the likes of Aldi's and Lidl's tents? Well, actually, generally, by generators. So when you think of generators, you probably think diesel. Then you think of carbon emissions. But actually, there's been a really innovative solution there on that. And the company behind it is CERTA. And find out after the break exactly how they do that. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Coming up on Taking Care of Business, some key points from yesterday's Irish Tourism Ministry Confederation Tourism Conference that was held in Athlone. That day aimed to grow the sector by about 50% between now and 2030. Highly ambitious plans. We'll hear the opinions of Barry Kennedy, the General Manager of the County Arms and Borough, a little bit later. And also I'll be talking to Kevin Green, the Chief People Officer for First Bus in the UK. Kevin has responsibility for well over 30,000 employees and he'll be a keynote speaker at the FRS Recruitment Future of Talent Conference taking place in Croke Park this Thursday. But sticking on that whole theme of the ploughing, 
and I mentioned before the break, it's a massive site. Caroline Hoffman mentioned how there is at least 1,700 exhibitors at it this year. It's sold out. There's even a waiting list of people looking to get in to exhibit their companies. However, how does one go about powering that site? It is a massive logistics operation. It's generally done by, by diesel generators. Um, or is it? Because... Like a lot of things, there's change of foot as well. To find out more about this, I'm delighted to be joined by Orla Stevens, Orla's commercial director at CERTA. And CERTA, you know, is that confluence of a numerous of successful Irish energy brands. And across the group, they service commercial, industrial, residential and the mobility sectors as well. So huge experience in powering pretty much our everyday lives. Orla, very good evening and welcome to Taking Care of Business. Hi, Ronan. Thanks very much. Thanks or, for having me. Orla, I believe you're number one of those, yeah, another one of those brave soldiers who has uh, got home after battling the muck and the wet and Ratanesca, but uh, still seem to enjoy your day anyway. It was, you know, it was a, it was a great day. I, I, I think I'll, I think I may throw out my hiking boots. I don't know if they'd be fit for fit for wear after today, but um, look, it was a bit wet. It was a bit mucky, but actually, it was, a, it was a great day, and there were still some really good crowds there this morning. Start to play a major role in this. It's pretty much a behind-the-scenes role in terms of actually powering the site. Just give us an overview of the scale of that operation and what's involved. Yeah, look, it, it, it's a huge operation, as you know. Um, the ploughing is it, it's over 115 acres. As you said, there's 1,700 stands. Uh, one of one of a household supermarket name has 40 ovens on one of those stands, um, and 10 generators. So, as you say, it used to be powered by traditional diesel. Uh, for the past two years, uh, we have provided it with uh, a, a fuel called hydro-treated vegetable oil. And what that is, is it's a, it's a 100% drop-in replacement for diesel, but it, it only provides, it provides like less, 90% less carbon emissions than diesel. So it performs at a very high level. Um, all of our trucks in Serta, and we've over 100 trucks ourselves, run on HVO and have been for the past 12 months. But last year and this year, we're happy to say that the ploughing has been, has been well-powered by HVO and, and no issues at all. It is. It's such a huge operation. I mean, as you even even mentioned, the number of ovens in one particular tent there. I think our mm-hmm. own Peter Dunn benefited from those this morning. He was talking about all sorts of bread <laughs> and breakfast rolls. But um, when it comes to HVO, I suppose when, when that conversation was struck or originally began, was it the NPA that approached G or did G approach them with this as a potential uh, way of reducing the carbon emissions? I think it would have been, it was probably a mutual thing. This is our third year at CERTA. This is our third year of sponsoring the ploughing. Our very first year, it was still behind closed doors. It was, would have been a COVID, a COVID ploughing, which is very different. But last year and this year, obviously open, open to the public again. So the ploughing, um, Anna May and Anne Marie were very keen to come up with an environmentally friendly way of powering. Um, and what HBO can do is it gives immediate or instant reduction in carbon emissions. So it's a, we describe it as a kind of a here and now uh, fuel because you can drop it into your tank. Even if there's diesel in your tank, you can still drop the HBO in on top of it. So there's no waste. And it, it does the job. It performs extremely well. And what, what's brilliant about it too is it has, um, it provides, it burns clean and clear. So if you see the fuel itself, it's actually clear. So it, it, it is much, provides much less air pollution, uh, noise reduction. You know, there's no big black smoke coming out of the generators. So the Ploughing Association were very keen and we were, we've had a, a very good relationship with them over the years and we were equally keen to show last year for the first time ever that it could be done. And they were so pleased with the performance, they wanted to do exactly the same this year. 
Undoubtedly, the, the kind of noise around HVO, it is growing. It's getting very loud over the last while too. And, and people, mm. particularly companies in the logistics sector and anybody that is using or had been using diesel is probably getting their attention drawn to it as well. Um, you're mm. prob- I'm sure you're noticing the amount of inquiries going up as well. How, how easy is it to convert somebody from it? Like I suppose I don't just mean in terms of the drop-in aspect of it, but actually yeah. in convincing them that this is the way to go and potentially the, the bridge between this and, and even the next, you know, people talk about hydrogen, but maybe HVO yeah. will, will, will meet all our needs. Yeah, look, I think uh, HVO is certainly, it's probably more of a transition fuel. So it's, it's here and now, as we say, and it, it can provide the emission reduction that, that people are, are needing. And look, future technologies will come down the line in a few years, but HVO is here and now. And um, what we're finding is those companies that have a carbon reduction uh, mandate, you know, those companies with that ESG, that economic, social, governmental um, mandate, but they're very keen to look for solutions. So at the moment, it, we started with the bigger companies. You can imagine very big construction companies, very, you know, we're working with CISC uh, construction, we're working with the Dublin Airport Authority, these very big uh, enterprises that have a huge responsibility, I suppose, to, to keep the show on the road. They, you know, they, they need performance from their vehicles and from their machinery, and they're looking to do that in a more environmentally friendly way. So what we're finding is a lot of those bigger companies are coming to us. We in Zerta have very strong relationships with those businesses anyway, because our background is in liquid fuels. You know, we provide oil, uh, gas oil, diesel, kerosene, and we've been doing that for the past 40 years, and we continue to do that. But but we know that, that our our future has to be on the energy transition side. So that's where, you know, we're, it's a really important focus for us. So some of it, I think, Ronan came from strong relationships in existence already. Others are coming from, um, you know, we've, we've a strong sales team, we've a strong marketing team, and we're reaching out to, to smaller businesses and hopefully in, in the near future to domestic customers at home to, to offer them this solution. Of course, when it comes to anything with business and particularly small business, you know, huge challenges over the past couple of years, particularly with rising costs mm-hmm. of doing business. The HVO comes in a little more expensive than diesel, but I suppose, yeah. has that been a, an issue for companies or really is, is, is reaching those environmental targets that the primary driver there? And, and can you give an idea kind of price-wise, you know, what, how it differs from, from traditional, say, diesel or gas oil? Yeah, well, look, it's priced, it's priced, uh, I mean, I suppose it's priced just above the diesel. So you're probably talking about maybe 15, 20 cents a litre ahead of, of where diesel is priced. So at the moment, that, that is that is a challenge maybe for some smaller businesses. We're working very hard to try and get it even over the, over the, the short to medium term to, on parity with diesel, because really that's what you need for momentum. You know, you need, while businesses are very keen on the environmental side of things and the carbon reduction, obviously price price can can be a factor but look we work we work with with small and large businesses and we're very you know we we will chat to them and see what's the best what's the best thing we can do for them um i think the other thing just to say is while it does at the moment have a, have a small bit of a premium over diesel it, it it works very well and so cleanly that you don't need ad blue maybe in your in uh, in terms of that expense so it takes that ad blue cost away so look there's ways of making it up but i would say to any business that's interested 
the, the carbon reduction piece is, is there, it's immediate. Talk to us, we're on certaireland.ie or, or come to us over the next couple of days at the ploughing if you, if you want to hopefully brave brave the mud. Um, but there's always ways around it and, and we'd be very willing to, to chat uh, and see what we can do for you. You would like to think that with those le- that level of carbon reduction, carbon emission reduction, that there would be some incentive, you know, maybe post budgets to, to allow mm-hmm. companies avail of that because, right, if, even to bring it to parity price-wise with diesel, you know, that from a cost perspective is good, but actually if you look at the environmental benefits there, you know, surely it's something that maybe should be incentivized too. But I suppose a quick question, if loads of people then begin to start using HVO from a supply mm-hmm. perspective on that, are there any, any potential issues down the line or, or how is it currently sourced and, and where is it stored? Yeah, so look, we have, in terms of storage, again, we have depots all over the country. So we have HVO available really wherever you might need it on the island of Ireland. So there's no we, there's no issue um, for, from that. The HVO that we provide is, is called a second generation advanced HVO. And, and what that means is that it is primarily made of used cooking oil or kind of waste, plant waste and residue oil that's repurposed. Um, and the reason it's repurposed is that it's not fit for human consumption and it's not deemed fit for animal nutrition. So actually it would otherwise probably end up in landfill. So that is taken, it is treated with hydrogen, which removes the sulfur and the oxygen and other other things. I didn't do chemistry at school, but I'm told reliably that that's how, that's how it works. And then it, so we can trace it. You can almost, you could literally almost trace it back to a, back to a chipper. Um, and know where that's come from all the way through. And that's very important, particularly for our large commercial customers. They need to know, you know, the provenance of where it's coming from. So it's absolutely, it's second generation. It has come from used cooking oil that, you know, it already already has been out there in, in, a, in a different life form, if you like. Um, a lot of the big suppliers of traditional fuels are now turning to this. So we're reliably informed that there is no issue in terms of supply. And I think security of supply, uh, reliability of delivery and value for money really is what customers are looking for. Um, so so that, that's what we're all about. Yeah. And you kind of wonder, do we ever think we would be speaking about a fuel for powering vehicles, for powering generators and large manufacturing facilities that's in a large extent quite circular? And uh, you kind of really painted a lovely picture of that there this evening. So look, at anyone who's listening, when you're heading to Ratnuska tomorrow, Thursday, definitely drop by to start to stand and talk to Orla and her colleagues there and that uh, they can give you all the information you need about how you might go about using HVO as, as many companies across the Midlands are. But for now, Orla, get warm, dry out and uh, go, at it, go at it again tomorrow and Thursday and we'll talk to you again we'll soon. <laughs> Orla Stevens there is commercial director at CERT, of course headquartered in Clonmine Industrial Estate in Port Leash. Time now for a very short break. After that I'll be joined by Kevin Green, the Chief People Officer at First Bus in the UK. He'll be speaking at a DFRS recruitment talent conference coming up in Croke Park on Thursday. And I'll tell you one thing, he knows a thing or two about finding and attracting and retaining the very best staff. Talk to you very shortly. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Still to come on Taking Care of Business, Barry Kennedy, General Manager of the County Arms Hotel and Bore, will be along to talk about some key takeaways from the Irish Tourism Industry Confederation Tourism Conference that was held in Athlone yesterday. Their Vision 2030 
aims to increase the sector or grow the sector by 50% between now and the end of this decade. It's an ambitious plan. Uh, looking forward to hearing Barry's uh, perspective on that a little bit later. But before that, I'm delighted to be joined by Kevin Green. And Kevin is the Chief People Officer at First Group PLC. They're a British multinational transport group. And they operate transport services in the United Kingdom and here in the Republic of Ireland. Some of the, some stats behind the business, about 1.1 million passenger journeys managed every day. They operate a fleet of over 4,500 buses and they serve two-thirds of the UK's 15 largest conurbations. So we're talking about a big, big organisation here. So very easy to get Kevin's perspectives as Chief People Officer. Now, Kevin is in Ireland to talk at the FRS Recruitment Future of Talent Conference. It takes place of Thursday this week, 31st September, in Croke Park. And they will look at that very issue around, you know, how do you find, how do you attract and how do you retain the very best talent? Well, given the stats I've read out there about First Bus, undoubtedly they have a large number of employees a very good evening, Kevin. Could you begin by giving us an overview of how many employees you currently have on your books? I mean, the business has got about 15,000 employees, um, predominantly in the UK, but we have got a really big Irish business called Air Coach, which runs from sort of Belfast to Dublin, Kilkenny, Galway uh, and to Cork. So a really nice operation in Ireland, which is growing and We've uh, added a, a sort of um, an addition recently. We bought the airport a business up in uh, Londonderry. So a cracking little business in Ireland. So a lot of people um, and, and, and an industry that's going through a lot of change. Obviously, through COVID, we were, uh, you know, essential in terms of getting people to work and supporting sort of uh, core workers. But, you know, as we've come out of that, it's much more about how do we get back to being a a commercial enterprise and a bit like your last speaker how do we do that environment you know in a way which is environmentally friendly so we're uh, committed to being zero carbon by 2035 which means we've got to spend about 100 million pounds a year for a decade just to electrify all of our sites and to get the right uh, buses and coaches on, on the routes that we run so a big transformation in terms of the infrastructure but more importantly we're trying to move from being a you know a business that is dominated by the asset and the timetable and one which is much more of a service business so about people and customer and of course people are that key part of every business and we hear so many slogans and statements about you know the people being your best resource and all that but for an organization of that size you have to obviously put that into practice and live that so how do you go about number one keeping a staff that size engaged and making sure that they're both aligned with the current values of the company but also aware of, of where that company is going in terms of the transition you've just spoken about? I think the first thing is, you, you know, I think organisations have had to change. You know, you've got to treat people in a way, you know, you've got to treat them as an adult. And I think a lot of organisations have treated their workforce as as, as you know, not really being mature adults. And so the first thing in terms of engagement is to make sure that, you know, you listen to your people, you ask for their views and opinions. You've got managers that understand individuals and spend time with them. And, and that all sounds quite sort of warm and cuddly, but, you know, for us, it, it, it feeds through to really strong engagement scores. We've sort of nearly, we've improved from sort of 42% up to 57% in a 18-month period. And that then has driven a reduction in attrition and a reduction in uh, absence. So, you know, treating your people well isn't just a nice thing to do. It's actually what delivers superior performance and makes it an organisation where you're providing great customer care and customer service. 
how do you then how do you manage that in across an organization clearly you cannot do that as one person as as chief people officer <laughs> how do you how do you suppose you, you obviously have to upskill new managers you have yeah. to bring existing it, managers it, up to date as well up to up to speed with exactly yeah. where you're going yeah so a lot of it's around how do you um develop those managers you know so we've got about over a thousand frontline managers and we spend a lot of time give, making sure that you know, they've got the skills that, you know, we've introduced something called catch-ups, which is, just to give you an example, is a 20-minute conversation where it's about checking in with the individual, what's going on for you at home, how could we make your, you know, life better for you, how do we improve stuff. We do engagement surveys every quarter to make sure we're listening to our people. And we don't just take the data, we then act on it. So, you know, for example, our employees are saying that they want us to change the shift and um, rosters to make, you know, improve their work-life balance. So we've been doing some work on that. The environment of our depots, we've improved those. So we can see, you know, we provide free tea and coffee. We're providing, you know, much more activity from a social perspective. And all of those things are driven by asking questions of this staff, listening to the, the response, and then and then trying to put things in place. Because at the end of the day, you know, Everyone says your people are your greatest asset, but if you think about how you create value, you know, how do we keep people using the buses and coaches that we run? A lot of it's about the interaction both with our app, but then more importantly with our driver. So making sure the drivers feel that they understand what's going on in the organisation, they're part of it, they belong, that enables them to provide a great customer experience. That means more people use the bus and the coaches uh, and we can then reinvest that money on on providing even more training and more development and improving more of the facilities. So it's a really virtuous circle if you get this right. So therefore, what you're basically at first post is you're not just talking about stuff like this up at kind of management or mid-management level. You need to get it right down onto the ground to those very people right who are facing facing the most important person in the relationship is the customer themselves. Um, where was it? To, was it a point maybe that at some for some point maybe in in, in past and, and not just with that company but with all companies that maybe management lost touch with those very people and this yeah. could be applied to any service industry really that, that those very people who are that point of contact with the customer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the people that are providing the services to the customer day in, day out, are the ones who give you the great ideas. You know, I'm a great believer that many of the great ideas about how you innovate and how you improve your service for the customer is driven by the person right at the front of that organisation that's, you know, getting people onto the, the buses. We, we've realised that we need to provide more for, uh, space at the front of our buses for people that are disabled or people that with buggies we we know that people want uh, the um bus or coach driver to acknowledge them when they get on and tell them when the stops are and things like that so there's lots of little things that we pick up from the frontline staff which we then we sort of then support and what that means is they then see the changes happening so that's the whole point you know we ask them you know the, for their views and then we demonstrate that we're acting on them so the frontline staff is important the supervisors and the frontline managers are the, the most critical people because they're the ones that listen to that feedback every day and then feed it back into the organisation. So I think it's that symbiotic relationship of getting, you know, great frontline managers supporting drivers and in our case, engineers. You know, it's all about how do we maintain those buses and coaches, how do we get them out on the road every day, looking clean, tidy, spick and span so that the experience for our customers is fantastic. So, you know, the people stuff is really, really quite important because it's how you add value to that service experience. 
Um, I suppose, uh, sorry, I presume this would probably be quite similar in the UK, but here in Ireland there is lots of coverage over the last number of years about like a huge talent shortage. You could say pretty much across every sector, across every industry, but certainly for jobs like driving, those technical jobs like mechanical roles, engineering roles too. Yeah. Have you experienced that in the UK as well? And, and can you give us a sense of even of, of, of what these policies have done in, in, in terms of reducing the attrition rate and actually maybe attracting or enticing people to join the company then and, and really yeah. to, to help EB leaders there when it comes to actually meeting that uh, that talent shortage yeah i mean i think i think this you know at, at, in ireland and in the uk there are labor skill and talent shortages and they're all quite you know quite different you know labor shortage is very much about you know people the way you don't need the experience we can train them and you know very much in terms of bus drivers and coach drivers that's you know we'll put that investment in to make sure that they get their license and you know they can deliver the service we want Skill shortage is very much around the engineers where, you know, you just haven't got enough people in both the UK and in Ireland with the skills to do the jobs that are available. And then talent is that unique bit, most probably, you know, perhaps more, you know, slightly higher up in the organisation where, you know, you're looking for that talent that's going to enable you to continuously improve and think strategically and innovate and create more value. But in reality, most organisations are struggling with all three. So what you've got to do is do some of the stuff I've talked around engagement to to retain people. We've halved our um, attrition over the last two years, um, and we're we're we you know we're employing about two thousand um, drivers every year, and 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 that's a a big feat in itself. And you have to make your offering really attractive. You need to make the candidate experience so make it easy for people to apply, easy for them to come into a depot and and do a test. We spent a lot of time changing our our rosters and our, our work patterns so that, you know, what we can do is provide the sort of a, a really good uh, environment for people and they can work the hours that suits suit them and their life. Whereas historically, there hasn't been the way with coach and, and bus drivers. It's been very much driven by the organisation. So I think what you have to do is you have to be really good at, at retaining people. Um, and at the same time, I think when you are going out to the marketplace, you know, you've got to have, you know, decent competitive pay rates, good benefits, a decent environment, a good manager. You know, people are looking for a really good experience. And if you can provide, you know, if you are a good place to work, then, you know, people will stay with you. They'll work harder. The productivity improves and the customer services, you know, directly related to that, the way that you treat your people. You know, Richard Branson and lots of entrepreneurs in service businesses say, if you can treat your people well, they'll treat your customer well. And that isn't just sort of, you know, you know, language. You can see the data. You can see that if your engagement scores go up, your NPS scores or net promoter scores go up, net promoter scores up, more customers, spending more money with you, making you a more successful business. So this is about competitive advantage and being a a really good organisation providing great services. Breaking down into those kind of three, I suppose, those pillars, the labour, the skills and the talent shortages too, you must know a thing or two then about what actually motivates people. I know it differs per, per person, but you must have some insight into that and maybe some you could share yeah. with of our fantastic I, I, businesses. There was a great study. Um, there's a book called uh, Drive, written by a guy called Daniel Pink, an American in 2009. And he studied um, every piece of research into what motivates people at work. And when you boil it down, there are three things. One is purpose. And, and they don't mean organisational purpose. They mean that people belong. They can see that the job they are doing is important. 
So it's more than just what they do. They can see it's important in terms of the contribution of others. The second one is autonomy. People hate to be micromanaged. They like to be able to make decisions for themselves and they want some freedom to be able to operate. And the third one is about mastery or, or being as good as they can possibly be at their job. You know, and we spend a lot of time, um, you know, training our, our, our bus and coach drivers, but also encouraging them to go into competitions and to do things, you know, always be learning, always be developing. And if you can make people feel that they belong and understand what they're doing is really important, if you can give them some autonomy and you really help them train and, and develop them so that they can be the best version of themselves, you're sort of onto something. You know, that's what keeps people turning up every day, turning up with a smile on their face, trying to do the best job that they can. You know, they think it's important. They understand what the organisation's trying to do. They understand their role. They feel empowered to make some decisions and they're learning and developing and growing as individuals. And so the final question for you, Kevin, then, to achieve all that, in terms of, say, the, the, the net outlay, the net spend on that, has that increased, say, significantly in your tenure there as, as chief people officer there? Did you have yeah. to sell that to the senior management and the shareholders and say, look, this yeah, is the way forward? absolutely. I'm on the... So- yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm on the leadership team. And, you know, uh, um, you know, when you're going... It's like any business decision. When you're going to say, look, we need to spend some more money, we need to do this differently... You are asking for expenditure, and I've asked for many millions of pounds to do some of the things I've been talking about with you uh, this evening. But what you have to be able to do is to measure the impact. And, you know, if you can halve your attrition, if you can retain people, you can attract people, and that they are, you know, your absence level, our absence levels are sort of 3%, which is remarkable for the sort of jobs that we're asking people to do. Um, they turn up every day, they do a great job, they provide great service. It's paying back in terms of our, you know, in all of our numbers, in terms of our profitability, you know, in terms of our customer metrics, you know, the number of trips, the number of uh, passengers we serve every day. So it pays off, you know. I think it's uh, like any business decision, it's investment and return, isn't it? If you invest in the right things, you'll get the right return. It takes a bit of time and it's not always linear, so you don't always get the immediate impact, but, you know, it, it's the right way to run a business when, you know, clearly everyone's struggling for, you know, great people to work in their businesses. Absolutely. No, Kevin, it's been an absolute pleasure. And um, thank you so much for coming on this evening, too. And I think lots of people will be looking forward to your, your, your talk, to at the FRS Future Talent event that takes place in Croke Park on Thursday. Kevin Green, thank you so much for talking to us. And uh, I hope to catch up with you again sometime shortly. Kevin Green is the uh, Chief People Officer at First Bus Space in the UK. Over 15,000 employees really sets the scene about what it's like when you make that major strategic decision to really invest in your people, measure the impact of it and see what the, the benefits are long term. Listen to your staff, listen to everybody in the business seems to be the key message. And actually that book that he mentioned by Dan Pink Drive is one definitely worth checking out as well. Time now for me to take a short break. After that, we'll look at the hotel sector and Vision 2030 that plans to increase and grow the sector by about 50% over the next six or seven years. Ambitious plans, let's find out a bit more about them just very, very shortly. Taking care of business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. The Irish Tourism Industry Confederation Tourism Conference took place in Athlone yesterday. 
In it, they unveiled Vision 2030, an ambitious plan to grow the industry by about 50% between now and the end of the decade. That's putting an extra 5 billion euros of revenue into that sector. That's bringing revenue from 10 billion to 15 billion in just that short space of time. One person who was at that conference is the general manager of the County Arms and Borough, Barry Kennedy. A very good evening, Barry. Barry, um, I suppose, what were your key takeaways from that conference yesterday? And I suppose the big one is that 5 billion extra that this Vision 2030 is looking to create. Is any of that coming to the Midlands, do you think? Yeah, good evening, Ronan. Um, yeah, it was really energising and great to great to hear the plans. Um, certainly very ambitious. But after what's been a difficult few years for for tourism and hospitality, um, good to see some positivity and good to see some some big big ticket plans. Um, certainly, yeah, there's a lot of talk about what can come to to the Midlands region. Um, we're all aware of the of the 68 million just transition fund, and currently, Fulcher Ireland are working uh, in the background trying to see what's what the best and most impactful way of of, of spending that money uh, on the region is. And I suppose one of the one of the key things from yesterday's conference was was the need to certainly bring people out of the cities into into the regions and into the the Midlands and the Hidden Heartlands for tourism, uh, but keep them there and not not just bring them on a day trip and, and gone again, but bring them to the Midlands, let them stay for two, three, four nights. Um, and ultimately, I suppose, spend more money in the Midlands, uh, which, which is what we all we all want, I'm sure. Has the Midlands the capacity to meet that surge in demand? I know nationally they're talking about adding like 14,000 additional tourist accommodation rooms. Yeah. No small feat. Is the Midlands ready for that? No, I, I don't believe we are. Um, uh, that, that A lot of those 14,000 rooms, what we would like to think, would be, would be uh, housed in the Midlands. Um, a lot of work needed there, for sure. Uh, but I suppose one t- one big ticket thing from the from the conference yesterday in Athlone would have been the, the I suppose highlighting that that standard accommodation is changing now. Certainly, hotels and guest houses are still very very popular, thankfully. But people are are, are also accustomed and used to you know to sleeping in in uh, glamping pods and yurts, and, and that's something in the Midlands area we we do well. Um, and there's plenty of examples across the region. Uh, ultimately, I suppose what what yesterday's ambitious plans were were highlighting was the the importance of tourism um, to to the country, to the island, um, and certainly to the Midlands, and, and the opportunities to grow employment. I mean, there was, there was talks of tourism in Ireland in in a few short years employing three hundred fifty thousand people, which would be phenomenal. And um, I accept certainly ambitious, but even if it was to fall a little bit short, I think it would still be a significant achievement. Yeah, yeah. it would be, and, and certainly and all the additional support services too that it would generate would be would be phenomenal too. I suppose yeah. back to your own day to day job as well in the county arms. How has the the summer and I say summer inverted commas been for you over there? <laughs> yeah, the summer's been wet, <laughs> but uh, it's been great actually. Um, uh, we enjoyed a really strong summer, and, and business continues to be strong. Um, we're a big wedding venue, and uh, wedding numbers are are really positive for for the rest of this year into next year. Uh, next year is tracking ahead, thankfully. Um, visitor numbers in general um, were up this year on, on last year, which is really encouraging. Um, and that's, that's allowed us to, I suppose, employ more people. Um, our staff numbers an hour are just short of 150. And that's grown um, from just under 70 just a couple of years ago. So we're, we're really proud of that. We're working hard. I, I heard a little bit of your, your previous uh, speaker, Kevin, uh, and all that, that's needed to keep... Um, keep employees engaged and retained and we're working really hard at that at the moment and uh, thankfully seen some good benefits. It does. It seems to be a challenge across most sectors but as well as business like yourselves you're, you're ahead of that too and you're beginning to see that challenge and, and put those plans in place. Do you find that like is, is it really difficult to find people to do maybe those cleaning roles, those kind of general kind of you know um, hospital or um, service roles within within the hotel sector? 
Yeah, it's certainly a challenge, but I mean, we we uh, we employ people based on attitude, really, um, because the, the level of experience is largely gone out of sector. But we find that by you know constant training, constant development, uh, and just treating them well, and, and really going going above and beyond, which which is is very welcome, and it's really come into into the sector in recent years. Um, uh, we find that they're they're very loyal and, and they work really hard and. and uh, you know, similar to what Kevin said, if we treat them well, they, they treat the guests well, and that's what it's all about. Indeed, it's a sector that can open up many doors and many opportunities for loads of people as well. But look at it, uh, it sounds like, yeah, good things. Great to hear that there is ambitious plans there. Um, I think that's what people need to see. And if, if some of those numbers can be reached as well, it will be highly impressive. And look at the whole region will benefit. But Barry Kennedy, General Manager, County Arms, thank you so much for coming on this evening. Thanks, and Barry, there, check out at countyarms.ie as well. Fantastic hotel across in Burr. Uh, that really brings it to a close for this evening. So interesting how that kind of team of empowering people and bringing your people along uh, percolate right through the whole show as well. Even doing the right thing in terms of how we power things at like the National Ploughing Championship site using HVO rather than traditional gas, oil, diesel, bringing down the carbon emissions by about 90% in the process. Carolyn Hoffman, of course, gives us an overview of the fantastic leash business that are exhibiting down in Ratniska. They were there today. They'll be there tomorrow and they're there Thursday as well so if you're if you're around drop in and say hello to them and see the great stuff that's happening right on your doorstep I'll talk to you next week Taking care of business returns next Tuesday at 7pm with the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business Midlands 103